This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 2019's Trick, directed by Patrick Lucier. But first our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. And we just did this last night. We recorded our other episode, so there's not going to be too much here. But I did specifically save a movie to talk about um, for this episode because I was thinking ahead. Um, I did watch Color Out of Space finally yesterday. That was the one. B and I were just having a conversation right before we started recording about like how I'm not stuck with – not stuck. How, I, how I'm not – I don't have to like – I'm not assigned a bunch of movies to watch right now, which is nice because I get to pick what I want to watch. So I missed the like Nicolas Cage Lovecraft adaptation, Color Out of Space, uh, when it hit like earlier this year. Um, directed by Richard Stanley, who's like he has a very interesting like t- tenure in Hollywood. So if you ever get a chance to check it out, like look into his story. But he basically like was an up and comer. He made like Dust Devil and Hardware, and he started the work on the Island of Dr. Romero movie that was like a weird bomb because of Marlon Brando and stuff. Um, and then he disappeared forever, and then he became a shaman, <laughs> and now he's back. Um, so <clears throat> he did Color Out of Space with Nicolas Cage, which is I I liked it. Um, it's also got what's her name Natasha Richardson um, in it. She plays like the mom, and Nicolas Cage is the dad. And um, it's just like a very trippy, surreal, um, like heavily visually focused movie. Um, and it's a very like about like bright colors and like striking imagery. Um, I've heard it's really good to watch if you're on drugs. So if you <laughs> if you take mind altering substances, there you go. This might be the movie for you. Um, but that's on Shutter right now, and so I checked that out yesterday. And then the one that I want to talk about too is um, if you get a chance. I know it's a little steep. Again, B and I just talked about this on the last episode, though. Like um, renting movies. This was supposed to be a fa- theatrical release from Paramount. Um, it's called Love and Monsters, and it stars Dylan O'Brien, who we love. Um, if you're unfamiliar, he was Styles on Teen Wolf, and then he went on to star in um, the Maze Runner movies. Um, but he's had like kind of a unsuccessful like launch into Hollywood because the Maze Runner movies did really well, but then he got injured on them and then they got delayed and then like people lost interest. And then also like it made him really afraid to come back to set. Um, so it's been a while. Like PTSD and then people <clears throat> like, 
out of that like semi-retirement for like a new movie and like it did not do well like at all like it completely bombed Ben and I watched it it was fine it was like an action thriller like we liked it but it wasn't anything that I was like yeah um and I'm gonna tell people you gotta go catch this in the theaters American Assassin yeah yeah I watched it, yeah, yeah. I watched it too because it was him and it's Michael Keaton right. I'm like well I love everyone yeah. in it so I mean, um, yeah it's one of those where you watch it you're like I mean I liked it it was a fine movie like I'm yeah. not sad I spent the time watching it but it's not definitely not something that you're begging people to go check out exactly yeah so I'm really excited for him to come back for this um if you get a chance to check it out um, it's called Love and Monsters. It's written by Brian Duffield, who also did The Babysitter and Underwater and a new movie that just came out called Spontaneous that everyone seems to really like that I actually haven't been able to catch yet. Um, but it is basically there's a comet headed towards Earth and we blow it up, right? Like all of Earth decides like we're going to blow it up and like so we can live. But what we don't take into effect is the fallout um so the nuclear fallout impacts the plant life and the animal life on earth so it mutates so humans have to escape to underground to live because all of the animals have been affected and like grow into like giant monsters and are basically running rampant on earth um and it's like seven years after what they call the monster apocalypse and he is like he's pretty much like a coward he has ptsd he saw his parents killed right in front of him um, but he decides like the girl he's, he was in love with before this all happened. He finds out her camp is only 80 miles away from him in California. So he's going to go find her. So it's like this journey. Um, but it's just like really, it's really funny. It reminds me a lot tonally of the first zombie land where it's just like this very like warm, humorous take on things. But like, I think I liked it even a little more because Dylan O'Brien's a little more charming than Jesse Eisenberg, first of all. Um, and then also like the other lead character is a dog that he finds. Um, and the dog is named boy. Uh, and it's just like the cutest, smartest animal I've ever seen in a movie. Um, just like hyper intelligent and like all of the little mannerisms it makes are super cute and adorable. And the dog doesn't die by the way, just so you know. Um, because I won't fucking watch a movie if the dog dies. Um, so the dog doesn't die. Sorry, spoiler, but I mean, you know, but, um, check it out. It's called 11 monsters, 20 bucks right now. They, it was supposed to go to theaters. Didn't get it. Like, unfortunately, Dylan O'Brien just keeps running into these hurdles in his like Hollywood career. Uh, but it's like, I like came away from it. I knew I was going to like it cause I like him no matter what, but I just like came away from it really loving it. It's soup. Like the action's really good. Um, it's very like it's, there's a lot of tension created because of like the dog and the relationship with him. Michael Rooker pops up in it as like a gruff, like surrogate okay. father figure. Yeah. Um, he's basically playing like Yondu from guardians, but like not as evil. <laughs> um, and so it's just really fun and like super cute, really good message. Uh, like really, like a really happy movie um which i felt like right now we i was like we need this right now like there's a lot of really good horror coming out this year but a lot of it's been really bleak um like i, I got to see saint Maud and the dark and wicked and the strings which i loved all of them but they're all super bleak and like very gloomy um so it was nice to have like something that's like really big um but like really heartwarming and and fun so i highly encourage you to check out love and monsters if you can yeah, for what it's worth, uh, Decider does a series called Stream It or Skip It, and uh, they give it, like, in glowing review. They say, "Love and Stream It, Love and Monsters offers an adventure full of excitement and emotion, striking a beautiful balance of humor and heart. It's an apocalyptic adventure with a big heart. 
Um, and they mention Zombieland. They say it's like Zombieland meets like a John Hughes movie, like the charm and um, heart of like an 80s film. So, I mean, yeah, I I mean, you just sold me. This will definitely be something that we rent for sure. Yeah. So um, I got to check that one out. And um, yeah, I, like I said, I wanted to save it for this episode because I just was like, oh, that was one I really liked. And I'm going to save it so I can talk about it. So check nice. it out. <clears throat> um, I caught... Um, yesterday uh the 2019 uh countdown um the horror movie i like that movie yeah so i liked it um yeah. i thought it was serviceable uh so and it, i mean did extremely well uh budget they so it's was put out by um oh my god what is that stx um oh, production yeah. company um but they very much followed the blonde model i mean six and a half million budget for, and then, you know, made 48 million. Um, so, you know, the whole idea of the film, um, if you're not familiar with it a year, a year down the road is uh, there's an app that these kids download at a, the opening scene, these kids download, they're looking for like a countdown to skinny app and instead find an app that tells you when you die. Um, and they all down, download it and one of the girls downloads it and like it says she's going to die in like three hours um and then the whole like movie ends up taking like its path because of this girl and like what happens to her and like the main character ends up being um the girl who plays uh beck in uh love season one if you watch that um which i at first i couldn't recognize her and I was like, God, who is this chick? Like, she looks so familiar. And as soon as I looked it up and saw Love, I was like, oh, my God, of course. In um, You, not Love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love is the other character in You. Yes, exactly. From season two. <laughs> um, the TV show You yes. um, in the first season. Um, Love is also a Netflix show. Yeah. Very, very different. Um, she stars in it. It's got um, Peter, like, Fascinelli in it playing like really creepy doctor um from twilight uh and yeah it's just a fun like final destination-esque film um that like i don't really think takes itself too seriously and like feel like had a good twist on sort of like what we do like how our fate can intertwine with like technology yeah no, I thought it was like super just like fun, slick. Like you said, it's Final Destination for the modern day. Like, yeah, it totally does the whole if you skip it, like the whole ordeal. And mm -hmm. um, I it thought it was just like, a, just like a Final Destination film. Yeah, it's just like a fun popcorn horror movie for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to think yeah. too hard about it. It has some like really like it actually has a couple like really good jump scares. And um, I, I do like that, like, you know, the closer they get, like the more like death starts like showing up like you know mm -hmm. kind of showing itself i like i like when death is given like a personification mm -hmm. um it's part of the reason i love the final destinations because even even though it's not like a person like you can see death coming like they always very smartly like tie that into the movie so well in the first one it actually is like a mist like yeah they see and then they kind of like be rid of that right um, and then and then tony Tony Todd's like mortician character is kind of yeah, kind to of, be mm -hmm. death acting out all of this stuff. So yeah, I mean, I thought that was fun. Um, it popped up on Showtime, and so I was like, oh yeah, this is one like I didn't get around to watching. Like I need to watch this. 
Um, and then like life stuff, uh, we found a pumpkin patch that was open. The one that we normally go to in Sacramento decided to close for COVID reasons, which we totally respect. Um, we did find one that was open just like with masks mandated. Um, and we went and I mean, it's just such a super nice morning to have a family day. Um, our best friends went with us who we've been, um, like a little pod with this whole time, been a lifesaver for our son. Um, so the four of us and him just went out and just gave him a chance to run around and get outside. And it's been super hard to have a toddler in a, you know, 500 square foot room basically for the last, God, how long has it been? Seven months. Yeah. Um, it's really, it really wears on him. And in California, we haven't been able to go outside for the last couple months because we've had uh, all of the wildfires have made the air quality uh, too dangerous to go outside. Um, we've been lucky that there's been no fires in our exact town, um, but uh, the smoke has just been horrible and it's just been clearing up the last couple of weeks. We can finally get back outside. So it's really nice to try and do something a little bit normal um let the kid get out run around pick a pumpkin and you know have a little bit of the the normal uh fall season uh we also went to home depot and got a, a pvc pipe because we're making a candy shoot um our neighborhood is doing a like a safe trick-or-treating agreement and uh so anybody who wanted to per like participate uh we got a sign for our yard and it basically says that we are agreeing to uh accept trick-or-treaters and that we are promising to do it in like a covid like safe way um and so we are going to have like a baby gate at our door and keep our door open and then have a bowl of candy right or like have a bowl at our door and then when kids come up we have like this six foot pipe and we're going to have them pick out a candy and then we're going to jump, jump it down the pipe for them from six feet away. So I think the kids will get a kick out of that too. Like have like a little candy shoe and then uh, just a fun that's way to do it. And adorable. Safe. <laughs> yeah. That was Ben's idea. I um, that. Yeah. My husband's like, at first he had this whole big idea about like opening the window and like putting the pipe through the window or something. I love loving the idea, but like, let's maybe just <laughs> switch it up a tiny bit. Right. Um, so yeah, um, that's going to be fun. We're going to paint it. Um, so hopefully we don't get a ton of trick-or-treaters in general in our neighborhood. So we might just get a couple, which is totally fine by us. I just would love, there's, we live in like a, a small neighborhood with like a lot of families sort of like our age and young kids. So um, if anything, if it's just a couple of our neighborhood kids, which I think that's what's going to be able to go to a couple houses, that makes me happy. Have a little bit of normalcy for the kids. Yeah, that's what we've been up to today. Today. Yeah. Um, cool. So the movie that we are covering today is uh, 2019's Trick, um, which I forgot to put into our show notes. So that's why I was so confused. I was like, are we doing night school again? No. Uh, it's 2019's Trick. Um, <laughs> The synopsis, a no-nonsense detective tries to track down a mass murderer named Trick who is terrorizing a small town. No-nonsense, there you go. Yeah, just like we were talking about. Straight-laced. Um, October 19th, 2019. Happy uh, one, this episode will come out on its one-year anniversary. Ooh, that's Check actually that. really cool. 
Yeah, look at us, man. We do that on That's accident all the time. Yeah. I know. That's what we planned all along. Um, happy one year to trip um, a modern Halloween horror movie. Yeah. Uh, gotta love it. Um, interesting. No budget or box office information. Well, it didn't go to theaters. No, it went straight. Right? It went straight yeah, to straight VOD and like honestly straight to like uh, streaming, streaming, and um, you know just like out to buy. Um, so like, mm-hmm. um, I did find what they think it made off of like its domestic release uh, for Blu-ray sales initially. So they think it made a, roughly about a hundred k um off of off of just blu-ray sales that was literally the only number i could find though was like home release sales not even vod like home release sales interesting yeah and you know they make money off i think depending on the film i'm not 100 percent sure how this works but i'm pretty sure they either make an initial monetary agreement with streaming sites or they do like uh like per stream type of yeah. numbers i think you do it both ways yeah i've looked into it and that is exactly it they either do like yeah. they like the company either offers like we'll pay you this much to stream it for this long like that's what netflix it was friends right like we'll pay you this right. much to stream it for this long or you make a royalty off every time it's streamed but it does take a certain amount of minutes to count as a stream and i think the minute mm-hmm. mark is i mean what netflix is a seven so i imagine it's probably somewhere around there yeah so if people start it and then decide it's not for them then they don't count for that um so yeah i mean this is an indie film for sure um which is um awesome um i always love being able to talk about like modern indie films um and kind of like shine a light on them yeah absolutely um not super well received 33% on Rotten Tomatoes uh Megan Noir of Bloody Disgusting who's actually it was weird now that we do like when we get into modern because I know these people so I'm like oh like I'm friends with her uh but she wrote it's clear that Lucy I'm just saying it's odd um I really want to pull it up one day and have my review on there though like that's what I'm hoping for I could go in and put my Brian Larson of Bloody Disgusting says um yeah exactly like i but i'm not going to put my own stuff in but uh megan navarro bloody disgusting wrote that it's clear that lucy and farmer are operating at a substandard level and that at every level from technical to story trick is a joyless affair i don't agree with that um but i I think the first part is true you can tell that you have like uh people who have had much more money to behind their films before at a like low budget level for sure but i definitely don't think it's a joyless affair at all no I, but i do agree with so brian Tal, uh Talrico of roger ebert said that he only gave it a, a one and a half and he said more incoherent than terrifying i do think it botches the ending so like megan and brian's like noting that the story is not like great i do agree with it I think it super hard to follow. I found it very, very hard to follow. Yeah, I think it muddles so, itself up a lot. Yeah, it 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 gets it's got big big ideas mm. and they don't really come across very well. Exactly, uh, a lot of characters, a lot going on. Yeah, and it moves at like it it like the beginning moves at the beginning and end both move at this rapid speed and then the middle kind of sags because so much of the middle takes place on one day where like the first the first part of the movie we're speeding through through literally years of time and then the last act Mm -hmm. in the hospital like once you get to the hospital it's like 
like so fast paced like and like there's all these reveals happening and it's like boom 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 and like i feel like they could have paced all that stuff out better throughout the entire movie um but so i do understand some of their it's one of those things like i feel like that happens a lot more you read reviews right where i'll agree with a part of it i'm like but i don't think it it uh, merits bringing it down like that much agreed um b what do you think of this poster which okay. is also the cover I, of the blu-ray like literally i'm showing b right now my blu-ray it's the exact same thing it's exactly the same uh this poster is gorgeous i adore it so much it it really um looks like a you know theatrical high budget film they obviously like um, hired a really good art director for this or, you know, what, whatever process they use, like this is, it's gorgeous. There's like a really nice, like smoky texture in the back. That's like red. And then we've got like trick in a costume, big trick and like outlined, like frazzled, almost like police outline text. And then love the tagline, always choose treat. Uh, that's so good. Um, literally my only complaint is that trick wears multiple masks and this isn't one of them um it's close to one but well, it's not one. close yeah. to one yeah. but it's not the mask and i assume that's because they didn't have access to like on-set photography or they there's not a good enough like shot from the film to pull from to create this captivating image it could have been a lot of reasons why they made that decision um now that I've been like a little bit more involved in this process, I like can understand how you can have the best of intentions and it just not be possible. Um, so, I mean, I truly, truly adore this poster and think it screams like modern um, slasher for sure. Um, I would have liked to see maybe like the knife in there mm -hmm. um, to have it look a little bit more like a slasher and less like a... Um, like purge type um yeah. thing because it does give a little bit of purge vibes for sure but that's also not necessary like they're trying to go for something broad just to bring in horror fans yeah that's not necessarily a bad thing to do um i do think it's funny that it says from the director of my bloody valentine because the actual title of that movie is my bloody valentine 3d oh interesting yeah it's not called My Bloody Valentine. Literally, 3D is part of the title of that movie. Huh. Um, so I find it funny that they didn't include 3D because I also think that's a bigger selling point for modern audiences. Like, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, the 1981 My Bloody Valentine. Awesome. What's that director up to? Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I guess they just assume right. it, younger kids are just going to associate the new one, not the older one that's not as famous in the outside world, I suppose. Yeah, that would be um, good. But yeah, that's, those are my thoughts. What do you think, Ray? Um, first of all, first, I just want to, anyone listening, by the way, that is B-Sun in the background. Um, so he's a guest on the episode. I always like to say when we can, oh, hear, can him. hear him. Oh yeah, but it's fine. Um, I mean, he's talking, he's learning how to talk. Okay. Um, talking. Yeah. He just yells yeah. all the time. We think he said ball today, which was very exciting. Ooh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, that would be awesome. No, I like the cover a lot. I think it, like you said, I think it falls in line with like modern slasher. It like gives you, I mean, I think it's like glossy. Um, so it gives you an idea of what you're getting into. I agree with you. I love the tagline. Always choose tree is such a good tagline. And I feel like mm -hmm. we just like don't get a lot of those anymore. Um, 
and I, I really appreciate that it's on there. Um, it's very red. <laughs> so, I mean, and red's my favorite color, so I'm, like, prone to like it because I'm like, ooh, yeah. Uh, but I do – I mean, it's – it is always it's funny the more you learn right because like you and i both like that's always been annoying when something's on the cover and it's not in the movie and we're like why is that on the cover and so it's just interesting that like you're learning to the point now it's like maybe they didn't have access to that stuff and like it's just funny the more you learn like the more forgiving about things you get and you're like okay like i can kind of understand like if this is what they had to work with and like they were trying to make it work like you know all things considered it's not that bad well, right. Like, what do you choose? Like an image, like an image of Trick, like from the film, like of his actual mask that like is harder to work with and less captivating or something that's close, but you can create a more captivating image from that. Like most people aren't really going to notice. They're going to just be like, oh yeah, he wears something like that in the movie. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely like my perspective now. Or before, I'd be like, "There's no excuse." <laughs> yeah. Uh, God damn it! The right mask on. Now I'm like, "Well, okay, maybe." Plus, I like that fo- uh, font. So. Um, yeah, I think um, as a super good choice. Like I said, it definitely gives off one outline. It's like it's trendy, right? So I will say that this poster is very trendy. I think we will be able to look back in 10 years and tell you what decade this poster came out of. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, that helps sell the movie because you can look at this and know it's a new movie. And that's as people are scrolling by, they're more likely to click on it because they're like, oh, okay, I don't want to watch something from like, you know, especially like this time of year. This movie is part of Halloween. if you're sc- scrolling through Halloween. And that's going to help get people to click on it because it's going to look like a new movie. So, like, all of those are selling points for this poster for sure. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, no sequels. It sets up for one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it does the whole, like, the very standard stinger at the end of, like, there's still a killer out there. Um, so it definitely sets up for a sequel. Um, it's always, it's, I feel like it's been a while since we've done new movies because like when we do older ones and we're doing research, I have to like look through and find stuff. And like this one, I literally was almost able to just go through and do it from like memory of like mm-hmm. of these guys. Right. Because they like were so familiar with their work. Right. Um, so yeah, Patrick Lucier is our director. He directed, like we mentioned my bloody Valentine. He directed drive angry, um, which is like a grindhouse flick with Amber Heard and Nicolas Cage. He directed Dracula 2000, which was um, like a West West Craven presents. Um, Lucia has been I he directed that. Yeah, and he's been tied in with Craven for a long time. So Lucia, yeah, yeah Lucia was the cinematographer great. for most of the Scream movies and Cursed. Um, so he is like well in our wheelhouse. Cursed, what's that? Yeah. Yeah, if you guys don't know, so Curse is a movie from 2006. It's a werewolf movie that Wes Craven uh, made that was destroyed in on the like um, editor's table. Um, and I'm a big fan of it, and uh, uh, I champion it, champion it a lot online. Um, to the point, to the point where now he's like the token cursed guy. And if you ever want to hear about that movie, you can find Ryan on like 500 podcasts talking about it. Yeah, I I was telling B the other day. I have I actually got to the point where someone invited me to talk about um, movies, and they're like, "Do you want to talk about Curse?" And I was like, 
no, I don't, because I have said everything I've needed to say about um, Curse. And of course, even though I said no, I'm still, I'm actually going on to a podcast like next week or the week after talking about werewolf movies. So <laughs> I'm talking about Cursed, but I'm talking about other werewolf movies too. Um, Wait, there's other werewolf movies? Yeah, so I am, um, but it's funny. And then even... Um, there's a new, a newer podcast called, um, psychoanalysis, um, that some, some friends of mine do that, like, it's about mental health and horror. And they asked me to come on because I'm a big, like mental health advocate. I was like, oh my God, I would love to. And they're like, do you want to talk about the cursed? And I was like, please no. And I was like, I have other favorite movies. And I was like, I would really like to talk about scream actually. And they're like, yeah, okay. And I was like, thank you. Um, cause scream is my actual favorite horror movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've kind of pigeonholed myself as the cursed guy it could be worse it, oh it definitely could yeah you could be the dracula 2000 guy i have yet to see one of those but i'm very interested to find one <laughs> um it's just pure chaos going out outside in the living room yeah i just keep hearing him like bah! i think there's furniture being moved he's really strong it's scary Alrighty. Um, this is what happens when we record when he's awake and not asleep. Okay. Uh, so it was written by Patrick Lucier and Todd Farmer, um, who did uh, Jason X, uh, My Bloody Valentine 3D, and also Dragon 3. Um, so they're collaborators. Yeah, Todd Farmer does like everything with Lucier. Um, mm -hmm. And then even Michael Wanmacher, who is our, he did the score, um, also worked with Lucier on other projects. He did My Bloody Valentine. Um, he also did Piranha 3D. And of course, I included this for you, B. Because The Haunting of Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. <laughs> it's B's favorite title horror movie. And I, yeah. yeah. Movie. Yeah. God. And I saw that on there and I was like, well, I have to fucking put this on the list because B will get a kick out of that. No, it's, it's, there's way worse movies than that. It just, has the best title ever yeah just oh, such a ridiculous title um but he's very genre fair um so you know it's very uh appropriate work it just um i mean it doesn't to me it didn't like stand out but uh part of sometimes that's good right you know like mm -hmm. like when you have i felt like this it did a really good job of like building the suspense when trick was playing with denver mm -hmm. um i really felt that in the score um and i also really noticed it in the uh like horror uh like walkthrough they were doing mm -hmm. i forget what to call those like the fright fest that they were at uh, yeah. I, I also like really noticed the score sort of like standing out as being like particularly good um which I think always helps elevate these like low, low like low budget films if it, they're like scored properly. Right. Um, I I always think about um, April Fool's Day, two thousand eight. Right, that's the year it came out. Where we had this like cartoon score for that movie, and it just like dropped it down even like farther from like it already felt like very TV movie esque, and then it had this like comically ridiculous score that did not appropriately fit the film at all and i was like what are we watching like this is so weird well and remember when we looked it up we're like oh this guy did the score for cartoons yeah, <laughs> yeah. and like he just was like okay so i'll just do that again right and they're like uh sure 
Um, um, yeah. I also think it's funny because we just talked about in the last episode how there's this trend. There was this trend in uh, European countries to like pick popular uh, horror movies uh, and then just pick a different one that is not related at all and slash like, okay, this is going to be uh, Suspiria 2 and this is going to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And uh, when we were covering Night School, it was marketed as uh, Psycho 2 mm-hmm. um, in Spain, which obviously if you guys have seen Night School, uh, if you haven't, watch it uh, and then listen to our episode because it has nothing to do with Psycho. Nope. So funny. So that's what I think of. I was like, oh my God, Haunting in Connecticut 2 is like the modern day version of that. I I actually now really want to look into the pre-production on that film and see if there was – there are no tie-ins to the first one, right? It's just – Not that I recall. I think the only thing is like it's Ghost. Like literally that's the only tie-in. So now I'm like – I have to know if they thought it would make it sell more if they tag like I wonder if that movie was originally called Ghost of Georgia and they're like uh no one's gonna want to see this you know what find what's that other one the with the the state throw it on there yeah what's that uh Kyle Gondler movie okay yeah yeah that one that one did good yeah also how come that never got like that was so good I I loved that movie yeah it's really it's what him and Amanda crew um yeah it's Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know that movie's great um Tommy Agard is our editor. Uh, he actually has gone on to – he hasn't edited very much, but he's worked on the editing team on some, like, huge projects. So he's done stuff for The Avengers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, numerous Transformers, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, so he's, like, a blockbuster uh, editing. Okay, which totally makes sense. Also, he didn't go on to do because those were previous projects. Uh, some were before and some were after because no done, like, this movie's from 2019 yeah but he's done new avengers movies so i right. guess, I guess 20... same time okay yeah I'm like yes but 2019 that just I, happened yes, yes yes um which 100 percent tracks so the whole time we we're watching this we're like this is shot like an action film mm-hmm. and like they're so it's even like the choreography is very action it's funny i saw somebody and i just laughed they're like this dude is like assassin creed like slasher and i'm like it's so true he's doing like hella tricks and shit as he's like jumping and killing these people like crazy athletic uh like probably the most athletic uh killer we've had yeah he's like running on uh, walls and shit and he's like flipping yeah. weapons in his hands like, and, like, uh, parkour yeah <laughs> Um, and there's, so there's a scene where like Denver is like running through the uh, graveyard and it's seriously like so many like cuts, like aggressively cut. And like, some of them look like they were probably done on like a GoPro. Um, and they're like cut really low, like at his feet running and then they're back up. And we're like this feel, it felt like the same way that like the chase scenes are done in like the Bourne films. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Like it felt so like edited that way. So that a hundred percent makes sense. Um, Yeah. The more, you know, every time we do that, I'm like, "Uh okay, makes sense. I know. Uh, And then Amanda Trays is our cinematographer. So we were just saying yesterday how nice it is to see more females getting work. Um, so it's nice to see her on a more like modern movie. And she is also a horror wheelhouse person. She did two of the Into the Dark episodes, um, Treehouse and Flesh and Blood, which were their Thanksgiving and their Mother's Day, I think. Or 
Flesh and Blood was Thanksgiving. Yeah, Flesh and Blood was Thanksgiving. Treehouse. Treehouse is maybe it's like Earth Day. I, I it's I know it's about witches. Um, and it's got what's uh, James Roday directed it. Um, so that's all I remember about that one. Um, yeah, so then to get even more Scream stuff in here, Jamie Kennedy uh, is one of the stars of the movie as Dr. Steven. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, from Scream, Scream 2, and then I included Malibu's Most Wanted because Ben always talks about that movie when we bring up Jamie Kennedy. So I had to like bring it's, that one up. It's the only movie he thinks of besides Scream, but also same. I can't really think of any other Jamie Kennedy movies besides those. I don't hate Malibu's Most Wanted. It's really silly, but oh, yeah. it's fine. No, Richard and I, I like Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, Richard and I used to watch it all the time. Jamie Kennedy got yeah. famous for the Jamie Kennedy experiment, which was like his show on MTV and was like a sketch show um so that's what he like got famous for um omar epps is our uh, detective mike denver and he has starred in a lot of projects um his big like hollywood break was uh, love and basketball but then he starred on house for years um and that's when he became i feel like he like he was like he became one of those actors that everyone knows right because he was on such a successful tv show um tom atkins pops up and he's a huge horror vet um he also has worked with lucier numerous times in the past lucier is definitely one of those guys kind of like you know flanagan or burton like he rotates with the same crew a lot um so atkins did my bloody valentine with lucier he also starred in the fog halloween three night of the creeps um he's been he's definitely like one of those guys who pops up a lot in like just a lot of different horror movies um let's see ellen adair as our as sheriff lisa jane she has so did you say that in my bloody valentine three yeah yeah okay um ellen adair i was it was interesting she doesn't do a lot of movie stuff but she is is in a lot of like premium television Mm -hmm. so she was in homeland she was in billions she was in that show the slap which like everyone hated um and she's been in the sinner so she's been in like a lot of like highly acclaimed high-profile television shows she's in season two of the center um which i've talked about uh at length on the show um i love i haven't uh sat down to watch season three yet um but season one and season two fantastic they're uh loosely the same uh detective in uh the seasons but everything else is different so he basically is following like a different case um so you just have a tiny wraparound um but it's essentially an anthology series and holy shit is it premium tv and definitely as horror fans worth checking out um I, there's a i used to keep up with tv i no longer do because i would only watch tv if i even dared to try um i used to be proud of how many shows i could watch and i just don't even attempt anymore and i just try and find the stuff that is really good but also appeals to like my taste and the center i give like a plus five gold stars like all the way around yeah i need to watch it um it's bill pullman too right and i love him so um vanessa asp Aspelaga as Agent Tina Mendez. She uh, is in the new show Monsterland, which is an anthology TV show. We talked about it two episodes ago about trying to watch it and it being a little too heavy. Um, but that one's on Hulu as well. 
And then the rest of the cast um, are relative unknowns. We have Alex Brew as Len, Christina Reyes as Cheryl, Todd Farmer, who is the writer, pops up as Deputy Wayne. He usually gives himself um, a cameo in the movies. If you go back to our My Bloody Valentine coverage, he um, is the truck stop guy um, who's like having sex with someone. Um, Gary Tuncliffe has the principal, and he's also kind of a cameo spot here. He is a very prolific makeup artist, and he's worked on like 160 different projects, but he does a lot of horror work. Um, Tom Neiman as Patrick Weaver, and then Danny Shea as Deputy Green. Yeah, it's a good cast of um, like people that you're definitely going to recognize mm-hmm. um, for sure, uh, which is always always nice to see in movies like this um, to pull sort of. Um, recognizable faces help right like that's gonna help sell these films right so especially like for horror fans to like have tom atkins you know like and jamie kennedy to have these like horror legends in this film is always um and then you know todd farmer who wrote it is also an actor who's been in a variety of things um so it's always nice to see that yeah um and then you know i think it's smart too when you pull in like when you're able to get those TV stars, because now you're pulling in a different audience. So, mm-hmm. um, minutes. oh, I love her. Like, let me check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, it is again. So this is two in a row. We've got like the police procedural. This is three in a row. Pieces was too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a much uh, bigger theme of slashers and trope that I didn't realize until we started doing this show. Mm-hmm. Like I always knew, obviously, cops are involved, but you always think of the trope that, like, cops are dumb. Like, that's the slasher trope. Like, or cops are useless. Yeah. That's the trope. Is that even if you call them, they're not going to do anything to help you. They're just going to get killed. Um, and so that's sort of, like, as far as I've ever made that thought process. And then as we're, like, going over these movies, I'm like, well, often, like, we're, we're following these cops or following these detectives. Like, they're the ones, like, guiding us through the movie. Um, so yeah, we've got another one. Um, and it's a Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes place on Halloween. Every every time Trick, um, so our killer is Patrick Neiman, uh, or Patrick Weaver, and every time Patrick, they call him Trick. So it fits, you know, with the movie, obviously. Um, every time Trick kills, it's on Halloween. So we get like multiple killings on different Halloweens. And the bulk of the movie takes place on like, it's present day you know current day um like halloween but yeah it's a i mean it is such a halloween movie like every scene is like costume parties or like even like when they're in the diner in the hospital like the everyone in the hospital in the diner is like wearing a costume and decorations are out yeah, which is what we always love because we've covered a few movies that take place on Halloween, but then you can't really tell. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what? Come on. Like, what's even the point? Yeah. One of the mischief nights, remember? Yeah. Yeah. And like the only way to like, do it is because they had like a small trick or treater scene. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I guess it's Halloween. Yeah. Whatever. Well, and we, we talk about it on, if you go back to the last episode with Night School, we talk about how hard it is to find like actual Halloween movies. And then like, especially actual Halloween slashers other than the Halloween franchise. But the Halloween franchise like kind of dips its toes in and out on if you can tell it's Halloween or not too. Like mm-hmm. like the first one, obviously, and then I think four does a really good job of it. But like five and six kind of lose track. Um, H2O definitely has like very little. Like even though H2O is one of my favorites. Uh, H2O is not a Halloween. It's, 
a Michael Myers Halloween movie, but it's not a Halloween the season movie. Mm-mm. I mean, it is Halloween when they go into town, but other than that, you would uh-huh. never know, like at all. No, um, it does not give off vibes. No. Also, it's like, yeah, it's not take. It doesn't take place in Haddonfield, so it like feels very different. Yeah. Um. So it's just it's nice to have like a slasher that is like feels like Halloween. I mean, they straight up go through like a haunt and are at like a midnight movie like showing. So there's lots of like big Halloween. Um, like if you're a horror fan, there's lots of big, like, you know, staples of the holiday that are in it too. Um, there are 26 kills in this movie. <laughs> there's a fuckload of death. Um, it might be our, 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 our highest body count. It might be the highest body count we ever have. Uh, mm-hmm. we are looking cause we know Halloween 2018 was really high and I think that's in the twenties or no, we looked. It was, was like 17, 17 or 18. Yeah. So yeah. even with our killer dying in this, like our one of our main killers dying in this. Um, so, you know, like it's there's two deaths that essentially aren't a killer. It's the cops or the final girl. Um, but other than that, it is there are 24 deaths by our our main killer. <laughs> um, it's fucking wild. <laughs> Yeah, so our killer is Trick. Um, Trick is uh, Patrick, um, and they used to call him Trick. That was like a nickname for him. And he, uh, his motive, I mean, we don't really get a motive. He's kind of just a sociopath that starts like this cult following. Yes. Yeah. So he basically like is under this mentality that like, well, you know, we need to do this like this. We have like this goal, this mission. To, I mean, it's hard. Um, I'm sure some of you are probably going to get like annoyed uh, because you're like, I just watched this. And he does. He does have this whole spiel at the very end where he's like talking about like in, when we get our killer reveal and he's talking about how like um, he like his quote unquote motive. Um, but it's so muddled and not really clear. It, essentially all the idea that I got from it was like, okay, like I just wanted to kill people and like people deserve to die. And I found people who also agree with me. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's very much like the motive is like cult following essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is a sociopath, but like his, what he started doing became like the stuff of legend. And then, you know, on the dark web, he started like expanding his influence and finding these other people who were interested in it and like praising him for what he did. So he started like recruiting them in. Um, And so, yeah, the movie starts with, with trick when he's, he's like a senior in high school essentially. And he's at a party and at a Halloween party and they're playing, um, I think they're playing like spin the bottle, but with a knife <laughs> um, because it's a Halloween party. And like he lands and he like the knife says trick on one side, treat on the other. He like lands, he flips his mask around. So it's like a sad face. It's all very aesthetically super cool and like mm-hmm. super in season. And then he just goes on this murder spree in the party and he ends up killing five of the kids in the party. Um, and this is like where we're introduced initially to one of our final girls, Cheryl she's at the party and we actually find out she's the one who stopped him um like stabbed him with a fire poker but she didn't want credit for it so she actually like one of the jocks who was there um who went to shock she like put the fire um poker in in his hand so he takes all the credit for it um 
so that's like our opening scene. And then um, we follow that up with a hospital scene. And this is like uh, where we meet our other lead, which is the detective. That's Omar Epps, uh, Mike Denver. And he um, like in the hospital trick gets out and goes on another killing spree in the hospital. And nurses and, and we'll preface this by saying like, because there's 26 kills, we're going to like quickly go over like, He's just slashing people. Yeah. Like, he's literally just slashing. When we get to, like, the more creative kills, we will, like, go into those. But he's literally just demolishing Yeah, he's just running through. I mean, it's, like, you know, a lot of people joke about the slasher genre and how, like, you introduce people to be, like, body fodder, you know? Um, That's 100% what this is. Like, they're not even bothering to introduce people. They're like, yeah, person in the hallway, dead. Um, Like, person in the elevator, dead. Uh, And he's just using, like B mentioned earlier, like, action choreography and whatever weapon like he uses a bone saw at one point he uses like um like various knives he he uses like handcuffs like you know the end like if you take a handcuff and undo it and like he uses those as weapons to hurt people um so he's just like going through the hallway like literally kills someone takes their like doctor suit like the their scrubs um like continuing through the hallway gets approached by um denver denver shoots him five times um and he falls out of a window. Uh, and what were your guys's, uh, you guys were so mad about that window fall. Oh, well, you know, Ben can't watch. So Ben watched it with us and he was just like, could not handle like impracticalities of like falling out a window and landing on a car. And then the fact that he got back up, he's like, there's no fucking way that would happen. Like, and then like the whole rest of the movie, because of that, he's like, well, it's supernatural because he's not, you don't survive there because then he, you know, crashes out the window and then his body disappears Mm -hmm. and they think he like goes into the water. Yeah. Like they're like, you don't know, like he's got to drown. Like there's no way. And they just declare him dead because they're like, Oh, there's no way he survives that. But he did move after like, that's a hundred percent true. They try and explain it at the end of the movie. They, like, try and loop in that the doctor was, like, giving... The doctor is the one who, like, gave him, like, adrenaline shot or something, I think, to, like, and helped him escape. Yeah. And then they loaded him in a car after he fell. And Um, and he does become paraplegic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But... No, that's uh, that has been busted. That that went on MythBusters. No, you would not survive. Busted. Busted. Uh, yeah, five shots and a fall out the window onto a crash. Yeah, it's a little impractical. I agree, but um, it's okay. I don't. I don't really care too much about those things. I don't. Either. I just get curious. Yeah. Like, well, because sometimes you get an explanation, right? Like, you know, Friday has the loose explanation of, like, we know Jason is some sort of, like, revenant or something. Like, there mm-hmm. is something supernatural with Jason. But then there's things like Michael, and Michael has survived all this shit, and you're just like, yep, he's just a fucking resilient dude. <laughs> and, yeah, there's, and, like, nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, they, like, throw some well, stuff in. ignore the cults. Yeah, and number, number six. Earth. But, yeah. yeah. Um, that movie, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then, so basically what happens is for the next three years, we're like shown these Halloween scenes. Um, so it's like one year, another year, and then present day. Um, so like the first year there's this Halloween scene where Trick goes to a school dance. Um, and, the, and his, his mask has changed. He's wearing like a golem mask. Yeah. 
um and he shows up there and he kills two students and the principal on screen he actually so this kill count is actually wrong too because that's just who he kills on screen um so it's higher it's higher because you see the aftermath of that because you um, there's so many people in that dance floor like hella dead people um so yeah this is just like this kill counts just who you see on screen because it would it's almost impossible to keep track of how many people he actually kills yeah um, it's nuts. And as of that point, Denver is still a cop. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next one is the night where it's like Halloween night and they're at the bar. And um, there's like a higher up there. It's like Denver's. He's a sergeant. He's like either something. a sergeant or an FBI liaison or something. Um, you know, he's like wearing a suit. Oh, yeah. And he might be FBI because they're basically saying like, Denver, you're you're becoming that like obsessed cop. Yes, um, and like you're trying to put because Denver is basically pulling. He's like different cities, but similar mo, like different mask. I get that, but they all have this like particular face paint underneath them. Um, and they all have the same I know, access to. Yeah, I know it's trick. I know it, and like this this other guy is like, I you're pulling straws. Like where. You just want it to be him. You want it to be him. He's dead. Like, get it in your head. Mm-hmm. And then they are attacked. Yeah. So that this one is, like, like Trick sets up this very, like, malicious, like, trap, essentially. Um, and he – there's this very graphic scene where the sergeant or the FBI liaison is tied to this pole. And he's, like – he has a, a garret, like, strangling him. And it's attached to, like, this giant pile of rocks. Um, and like, if the pile of rocks falls, like it's going to pull on the Garrett and it'll like kill him. And like Denver's trying to save him. He's like holding the rocks the best he can, but then trick. They're like cinder blocks. Yeah, yeah. They're like cinder blocks, but then trick jumps on it and it decapitates him. Also, his fingers are like under trying to get him. No, it's, to breathe. it's the other cop. She's trying to. Oh yeah. It's her fingers. That's yeah, right. Yeah. She's trying to like give, get it off of him. And she loses her fingers when uh, Trick uh, jumps on it. Um, like, all her fingers go everywhere. And the, the, it's, the dude's head rolls away. Yeah, and then they show, they show everything. Like, they show his decapitated head, and it's it looks good. Oh, yeah. It, like, it's a really good kill. It's a well-executed kill. Like, it's between, like, the suspense of, like, them trying to get him off and, like, knowing him sitting there, like, knowing I'm going to die and they're trying to help him and, like, can you imagine like being in that situation where you're like, I can't, like, I can't do anything. Like I'm literally helpless right now. It's just, and then to watch somebody, you know, like get freaking decapitated Woo-wee. and lose all your fingers. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other cop, like um, Denver, you know, Denver's kind of like our bumbling detective. Who's like so straight laced, but so useless. Mm-hmm. So he like plays like both tropes. He's literally like kind of just running around in circles. Mm-hmm. Um, like trying to find Trick in this scene, and then the other cop um, is stabbed while she's in the car, and he finds her, and it's kind of like, okay, well, that's it. And now we've kind of shifted to like Trick is now targeting Denver. Yep. Yeah. And not just, um, not just like random party goers on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next. Um, the next one we get, like, we jump forward another, and it's to the, now it's modern day, and Denver is no longer a detective. Um, and it's um, Jane um, 
has taken over. Lisa, so Sheriff Lisa Jane has taken over. She is like head of the force now. Um, Denver is no longer involved at all. Um, and it's um, so it's modern day. It's 2019, and they do this whole thing of um, trick lures Denver to this like um, barge, like this like fishing barge, essentially. Uh, and you know, uh, like he gets Sheriff Jane to also go out there, like even though she kind of is he's become like the sad guy, right? Like everyone's just sad for him because he like sits in this diner obsessing over trick. Um, but he does convince her that like, no, it's trick. Like I'm, he's out here and she does go out there and indeed like sees that it is. And there's another, uh, cop out there with her and trick sets up this whole trap again, where like this cop is in the car, like after being injured, she gets into the car and trick, manages to make this this um crane come around with like it's like a gravestone um because it's like a big ass cross and it like no it's it's not construction equipment i think um it it's just yeah it's just uh i mean that's what i'm assuming it is a cross but i think it is supposed to be like construction equipment but maybe not i don't know um, but yeah, and then it just smashes her through the car. And, and again, it's just a bloody mess. yeah, uh, like shows everything. Like this movie does not shy away. There's no camera cuts. Like it's very okay no. with showing like every death that happens. Um, and yeah. oh no, it is a gravestone because it, it's the gravestone of um, the FBI agent that uh, Trick killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Now the sheriff is like on board with Denver of like okay like, yeah, like oh tricks a lot yeah something's happening um and and um Cheryl is kind of like brought into it too because she, we know she's a survivor from the original one um so like all three of them are kind of working together now so we have like kind of like two cop characters one is like disgraced ex cop the current female like sheriff and then also like our quote unquote like final girl um who has survived this past trauma and exists now and is is like helping the cops in their case um it is weird though because like cheryl doesn't really she fought she follows final girl tropes actually but she is not given a lot of time until like literally the very end of this movie. Right. Um, But she does have like her whole thing at the end where she faces trick and she has like her showdown with him. And she, she does like, you know, she, she has like, she's very, um, you know, overcomes fears and like fights back. So I don't know. She does like, they kind of cram it all in at the end. Yeah. Cause that definitely the movie gets like jumbled with what it's trying to do. Yeah, um, this and is it's got a lot of characters, and this is where it starts to get like a little nutso where yes. you're like, okay, I'm starting to lose track of what's happening. Um, so now we go into this like Halloween, like maze haunt situation, and Cheryl's there, um, with like a family, and they're going through the maze with like these kids, and sort of the situation of like you're kind of on edge and this is where I was commenting where I think the score did a really good job because you're just kind of on edge the whole time, like not knowing because trick uses a different mask every time. Mm-hmm. So you're not quite sure which person is going to be trick. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if he's any of these characters and we only know because he starts killing off um, the people who are dressed in costume working. Um, so, you know, the person with the chainsaw with um, a pig mask, like he goes and like trick, jumps on them and stabs them in the head um and like cheryl quickly realizes that it is trick and 
he's here and like they need to like escape and get away yeah and uh this is where like tom atkins character dies too because he's like hosting the event and like he's, uh -huh. he's killed it's a cool scene like he's killed in front of the projector and like there's this whole like silhouette um like kill up there and it's like this whole movie too like b said it's like jumbling like or bumbling police officers like the cops constantly show up like right at the end <laughs> like right right when it's too late to actually do any good um they show up to try to like save people and stuff and um uh the, but we do get this like final hospital scene so um how did they even get to the hospital the second time i don't even remember um somehow they're going there i think they're going there on purpose because isn't like cheryl's dad there and she's like worried about him oh wait no isn't it <sighs> there's like two things happening because trick does get shot again or oh denver gets stabbed by trick uh denver stab denver and sheriff jane get stabbed by trick and then also though like Denver jumps out out of a car, like like out of a window onto the car. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't at, really matter. That's at the hospital. I don't know. Yeah. I, I it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I can't even remember. It just gets it, a little muddled. You're right. I mean, it's, you guys watch the movie. It they, really doesn't matter. They go to see Cheryl's dad. You're right. That yeah. is right. It, yeah, that's what I remember. She like got worried about him, and they go to see her dad. Yeah. And, and then sure enough, they get there, and like Trick's his intestines there. are literally. Yeah. yeah. Trick's there, and his intestines are like outside of his body. Yeah, and this is where things just get super messy and like yeah. really overcomplicated for no real reason because they throw in this whole plot line so this is like our last like major kill spree so there's four more kills in the hospital one of them being cheryl's dad um and then there's like this big reveal right because Denver jumps out of a window with trick again and it's revealed like trick is not the actual person that he jumped out of the window with he thinks it is because they are similar body shape and they have like the same face paint on but what is actually happening is a realization that yeah it's trick yeah and so we get this big reveal because this car shows up to pick up the body and there's this big reveal that trick is actually has been injured since the very first time the denver shot him and he's been um a paraplegic and he has recruited all these people into his like circle and they are the ones who are following through on the killings um so there have been multiple killers the entire movie other than the very first scene which is like trying to help explain why like Trick can be a million places at once and like evade the cops so easily because it's not just one person. Um, so that's sort of how they get away with it not being supernatural because otherwise there's not really any real explanation to it. Um, but like Colt was not where I was gonna was going with this movie. Mm -mm. When I had that reveal, I was like, oh, okay. That's not what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so then like the, like, they think it's all over. Um, they think they've got him like Denver. Um, they were like helping Denver cause you know, he was stabbed and fell out of a window and then Cheryl like starts looking and like makes like get suspicious and goes like, Oh, that's, uh, because the actual trick is there. And she's like, that's him. Like she saw the scars on his body and she makes the association that that's actually trick, mm -hmm. um, even though it's been, you know, what, some odd year, five years, and he's got like a beard now, you know. 
Um, and so she goes back in the hospital to find him and they have like their big showdown. Um, and that's also when we get, um, uh, the reveal that one of the deputies was also involved uh, because uh, the sheriff sees like the face paint on him. Yeah. So we like get the reveal here because we knew numerous people were in it, but like this is where we get the reveal like the bartender from the scene earlier was in on it. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And the deputy is in on it. And then we even find out like the big like the big reveal um right before the very end because so cheryl kills trick and then they killed the deputy um but there's still like tons of other you know quote unquote tricks out there um and we do get the big reveal that jamie kennedy's character dr steven is also involved in the cult um and then like the movie ends with it's almost like a backdoor pilot for a tv show right because the movie ends with like we all think denver's dead and then he's not and we find out that Denver and Sheriff Jane and Cheryl are on the road to track mm-hmm. them down now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which feels like so – something about it feels so, like, supernatural, the TV show. I was going to say, like, it feels like, all right, it's like the season finale of Supernatural. Get yeah. ready for the new season, what what that leads to. Yeah. So um, I thought that was – uh kind of a funny like just ending um but you know i I get it sets up for the sequel if you wanted to do it or who knows you know the times we are in right now with like media um you know the mist was adapted into a tv show they could have they could have tried to make a trick tv show from this yeah you never know like the following meets supernatural exactly yeah um, yeah. So we have numerous killers. We have Trick, the bartender, Dr. Steven, the deputy, multiple more. Like Trick is our main one. Um, He's like, you know, the leader, the one influencing these people. Right. And that's like moniker. They are Trick. Yeah. Um, but the motive really is just like psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and he does have his like um, his his cool knife which i like um it's all like it's got like a skull on it it's got like trick carved into one side treat on the other um so i do like the 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 knife the weapon yeah and then we've talked about it um cheryl ends up sort of being our like squeezed in final girl um sheriff jane also survives and has like sort of that cop version of final girl along with denver yeah but none like they all sort of get like actually i think sheriff jane has like no character arc she's just like doing her job and but denver and cheryl both do but it's weird because they kind of split duties here like Uh denver gets denver in the first half and then we get cheryl in the second half yeah and denver gets resolution but he doesn't like grow really like his growth comes in the sense of like he doesn't have to obsess anymore and people know he's not crazy like he does have to obsess because he's still chasing after the people. Right, but like it's like a, a different kind of obsession because he's not trying. Right, to because like, he knows that Trick's dead for real this time. Right, and he also knows what's happening, and he has people that believe him. Um, right, where he did it before, and Cheryl is the only one who gets like the real redemptive arc at the end because we find out obviously like she's the one who stopped Trick in the, to begin with, but also like it's shoehorned into the last like twenty minutes of the movie. Right. Uh, wow yeah so there's that um i my favorite kill in the movie i mean there's an excessive amount to choose from right but like there's only a few that set up big scenes and i just really love that decapitation scene um i just think it's really well done i think the suspense is built up just perfectly and um 
yeah, it's just, it's hard to get those effects right. And I just think it looks good. Yep. And it's, yeah. That's actually mine too. I think it's um like, yeah. there's lots of kills in this and it's fun and it's like visceral and violent, but that, that one takes its time. It's like malicious. It lets you know like how evil trick really is um it's suspenseful it's like really well done so that uh like even the setting i love the bar the lighting like all of it is super super good um this movie doesn't have a huge position in the horror landscape it just came out last year it's like we said it's going to be a year old when this episode comes out um it's not super well liked uh which i was kind of surprised by it's i understand that it has like it's some it has some technical like sloppiness but like I still think it's fun and like Halloween aesthetics and a good cast and like well made, like competently made. Um, I think people will come around on it, but only time will tell. I mean, people, yeah. the next movie we're covering is Hellfest, which also came out around the same time and kind of snuck under the radar too. And I already see like more people talking about that one and how it was slept on. Um, like I actually see Hellfest brought up a lot when people are like, what are some newer slashers, like original slashers? Um, and I'll always see Hellfest. I'm always the one who has to bring up Trick. So and they're like, also Trick. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess we'll see. So I definitely feel like, yeah, when I posted that we were watching it, quite a few people go like, whoa, like I've never seen this. And mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, um, but we'll see. I, I you know, like, or is that genre where everything gets its re-examination? It's just a matter of time. So right. we'll see how time, if it's kind to Patrick Lucier's trick. Yeah. Uh, this will be our 70th movie. So I know, milestone. Uh, at the end of every episode, we rank our movies. You can find that list at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list. Um, number one is Nightmare on Elm Street, followed by My Bloody Valentine and Black Christmas. And then rounding out the bottom is both April Fool's Day and girls night out um i mean this movie from a slasher standpoint follows the blueprints like very on par but in such a sloppy way right so you know we get an event in such a sloppy way as it's like okay this is what we need for a blueprint but we don't need really any of the the backbone to it really like so and what i mean by that is like we have an event and then we have a flash forward technically, but, and that's a massive slasher trope, but we have no like real ties to our character. We don't really know anything about him. We don't really know like why he went after these people. Um, so it's hard or like if it had to do with Halloween or, so it's hard when we go to the flash forward to feel any sense of like connection or dread. Mm -hmm. um so it lacks in that department and then yeah like we have a final girl but they're so her their situation is so shoehorned in all the time like it just feels like we get we get the slasher tropes we just don't get them it, like full force right it feels like they were frameworked for a way to exploit a ton of violence <laughs> right like they knew they wanted to make a slasher and to have a slasher that was like a high body count and then you know had some of those other like tropes in there um but that wasn't the focus right so it really didn't it felt like which like as i've really discussed when we go to some of these ones that don't feel like slashers very much i go it really is about the kills so that's obviously the most important um to mark it off as a slasher but 
I just think it lands um, somewhere with these movies that uh, don't quite, you know, kind of like in the terror trains where we've got the tropes, but they just don't quite get it. Yeah, no, I'm actually um, looking a little higher um, because I do think it still follows a lot of slash. It kind of reminds me more like Hellbent where we get like these really good kills, mm-hmm. but we don't like know anything about our killer. Um, mm-hmm. And even though, but Hellbent like doesn't have the whole like back, like, you know, um, past trauma stuff, but also I think Hellbent, our characters are a little more fully fleshed out and we get like a final boy um, that we care more about. Um, mm-hmm. But like the kills in this are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we do, and we do get all that stuff. It's just like kind of halfway done. It's just not executed amazing right so i'm almost looking more yeah around like between hellbent and like santa sleigh like somewhere in these you know like new year's evil is kind of the same thing like we get this like shoehorned like kind of plot but the kills are really cool and like the idea of it is really cool um and then we get like that that really like epic showdown at the end um so like kind of in here somewhere i'm just don't know exactly where I mean, cut is like super meta and plays a lot with tropes, but again, doesn't like fully commit on them. I think it's higher than that. I think you're right when saying it's like in this sort of like child's play hellbent area. Yeah. I think maybe in between those. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, yeah, because I mean, it kind of even fits with child's play. We get the detective, but like at least in child's play, we get like, you know, the mother role too. Um, but I do think it's a little better than Hellbent because of those kills and we get the, the, the past trauma and everything. Oh well, um, yeah. And Child's Play obviously has like one of the best slasher killers, like I, ever yeah. super iconic where, you know, the whole like multiple killers cult thing kind of gets a little bit muddled. Switching masks is like kind of effective, but then at the end they go to like the face paint, which gets less effective and doesn't really make that much sense. So it kind of, it just gets muddled. Like, Overall, I do, I really, I do like this movie for okay. sure. And I think it's fun to watch. And I think it's great if you want to watch like a Halloween movie, this is a great one to put on. Um, but like how effective it is as like a slasher, it gets, it's a slasher. It's just, it's muddled in how it executes it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So it is our new number 34, um, which is Trick from 2019. And then these episodes you'll hear soon and not long after, before the month is up, we will be covering Hellfest, another Halloween slasher movie, which we are very excited to cover. Um, So if you want to follow along, that will be our next one. And until then, keep screaming.